Thanks for joining us for Life Vineyard Church. Good uh, morning, everyone. Uh, thanks for turning the lights on. How are you all doing? Does anyone, anyone watching the soccer or football matches? Anyone? Yeah. How many watching? You know, and there's, there's uh, been some wonderful games. I watched some soccer yesterday and uh, of course, there's a little bit of, uh, you know, conflict around the rules, around the rules that they have in uh, Qatar, just a totally different culture than we have. And, uh, you know, whenever I was considering that, I thought, you know, let's go to the internet and let's just look up some rules that there are that are a little different than the rules that we have here. Okay, so I thought, okay, I'll just bring to you five rules that are a little unusual that I found on the internet. The first one is, and you might have heard this, it's illegal to chew chewing gum in Singapore. So that is totally illegal. Also, it's illegal to build a sandcastle in Spain. You're not allowed to have any sandcastles there on the beach. Um, and then also, this one was particularly interesting. It is illegal to wear a fake mustache in an Alabama church. And you kind of wonder, you know, what brought this on? And then there are the scary rules. There's a scary rule actually in France that said that say men must wear speedos on the beach. To me, that is a scary rule, but probably the most unusual rule is in Poland, it is illegal to have a shirt with Winnie the Pooh on it, because Winnie the Pooh doesn't have any pants, okay? <laughs> now, some of you, I don't know, I am a rule keeper. How many people are rule keepers? Like, if you, you, love your, your, you love your rules. How many people are rebelly? No, give me a rule. And I, <laughs> yeah, not so excited back there, Dan and Dale and stuff. You know, some of us are rule keepers. I mean, I am a rule keeper. You give me a rule, and I like the safety of rules. You know, so my, my accountant, I went to the accountant at the U of I, and I said, look, I want you to do one thing. I don't care if it costs me money or anything. Keep me out of jail. That is your primary <laughs> duty here. You know, and I've, I'm the guy that's always, you know, I can't leave a gas station without taking the receipt. So I'm that guy because I want to have that receipt in case, you know, the police come and pull me over. I've got my receipt, you know. So I am a rule, rule keeper. Well, it's funny. The person that we're going to talk about today was also a rule keeper. Um, they were a rule follower, but their rules were <laughs> impacted in a supernatural way by God. And we're in our series that is called The Gift of Risk, The Radical Yes of Christmas. And last week, Liz opened us up and talked about Mary, the risk of facing your fear. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about Joseph, the risk of trusting God. If you don't mind, could we just pray here real quick and just like to calm my spirit down a little bit. Uh, Father God, I just thank you so much for what you've revealed in your word. Uh, Father God, what you teach us through Joseph's life and how you interacted with Joseph, how your son Jesus Christ was brought in the world through this family and the way that you did that. Oh Lord, uh, just bless us today by your word in Christ's name. 
Amen. Okay, so let's go to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to be in Matthew. Matthew's the first book of the New Testament. We're looking at Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to go down to verse 18. We'll actually be covering verses 18 through 24, 25. And so let me start there in Matthew, one of the Gospels that talk about Jesus as he walked the earth. And it starts like this in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. You know, see right there? Joseph, rule keeper, man. He's, he's among us, the rule keeper, the faithful to the law. And yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, you know, before we go into the glorious part of Jesus' birth, sometimes we have to just stop in the timeline where things are at. And I need to tell you a little bit about, about marriage in the ancient Israel at the time of Christ, that by custom, uh, Jewish marriages were arranged. And so the families would have come together, the family of Joseph, the family of Mary, they would have come together, and they would have actually arranged this Mary, marriage of Mary and Joseph. And they may have known each other, they probably knew each other, but they may not have. And Joseph's family would have given gifts to Mary's family, and given money to Mary's family, as was part of their custom. But at that point, whenever those gifts and that, that money was given to the family, they would have actually been legally betrothed, is the word that's used. They would have been considered legally husband and wife. But which what's a little unusual for us is that they would not be living together yet. Mary would have lived with her parents for approximately a year before they came together to show their faithfulness of each other, to, for Joseph to actually go and build up the house and invite Mary in. And so there would have been a time that he would have, in the future, gone to Mary's house and invited her to live with him. But at that point, they were legally married or legally betrothed. And the only way to dissolve it at that point would have been through a legal divorce or through death. And so we find in this legally binding betrothed relationship that Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant. We don't see the end of the story yet, right? And I think it's important to step through the story here instead of going to the glorious end before knowing that the baby was the savior of the world, the promised Messiah, Joseph is confronted with the mental cancer of betrayal. You know, Mary gives him this story and he's not believing at this point, but he he still reacts righteously. You know, as far as we can tell, he still reacts with mercy. 
Um, can I, let's just take a little bunny trail here. And I was even going to put up a picture of a bunny just to make sure this little bunny trail. Like I said, we, we sometimes need to step through Scripture before going to the end. Um, can I just take a bunny trail and talk a little bit about how we respond? What's our initial response to difficult situations here? I mean, think of the situation that Joseph was in. He, he had publicly pronounced that Mary would be his wife. He's preparing the home, and he finds out that she's pregnant and that there is apparent betrayal or he believes this fanciful story that she has. And you know, sometimes in these times, we have these attitudes of destroying the other person. You know, but Joseph could have destroyed Mary, their relationship, their, their new family. He could have been violent. He could have cursed. And we, we don't see that. We don't see him having that attitude of, if you hurt me, my response is, I am going to hurt you. You know, this bunny trail, can I ask, have you ever had a difficult situation and you looked at your reaction towards it? That initial reaction, you know, maybe I need to express it a different way. How, how's your self-control? How is your self-control? Particularly if you have a temper or someone's letting you down. I think there's a really good image of the results when we don't have self-control. Um, look at this verse in Proverbs, Proverbs 25, 28. It says this, Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. In other words, if I am just there destroying things around me by my temper and by my attitude, it really creates a broken wall that the enemy can come through. Um, has anyone ever seen the movie, and I, this is an older movie, 1977, it's an old movie called A Bridge Too Far. Have you seen that? It's a great movie if you can find out where it is. Bridge Too Far, this is actually a true story about the end of World War II, and the Germans were retreating, and they wanted to to go and to actually send paratroopers, and they, they sent a, two divisions of paratroopers, and they sent one division further into occupied territory to destroy a bridge. And it turned out that only a fifth of that 10,000-man division survived. And the quote, uh, or the title of the movie, comes from the comment that the that the general made to say, yes, I always try to take a bridge too far. Have you ever had a comment that went a little too far? And you just, you say it and you're like, hey, come back to me, you know, and you said that destructive comment, you know, and sometimes we say, well, you know, that's just our nature. I need to express how I feel, but do we need to damage each other? You know, where does that hurt me now and I will hurt you attitude come from? Is it a fruit of the Spirit? Well, I don't think so. Look at 2 Timothy 1.7. It says this, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. You know, have you ever asked God 
to give you self-control and ask, instead of asking him to change the other person? You know, I was very convicted from this, and it, it even reminded me of some email. I, I still remember this, the one student, and I will not say his name in case he ever listens to this, <laughs> but the one student, and I was, he had made some decisions about research that I was doing, and I just, I, there was a lot going on that week, and I just went off. I mean, I usually don't do that, and I was in this meeting, and a colleague, and I just went off. You know, my temper flared, and his response was, well, you know, you sent me an email saying to do it this way. <laughs> and I checked back, and I did. <laughs> apologies, apologies. But I just kept thinking, you know, how many times do I not, do I lack that self-control? And to see that, you know, I love this verse because I love that God gives us power, that the Holy Spirit gives us power, that, that we live love for one another. But how often have I actually said, God, just please give me more self-control. In those instances when I can destroy, please give me self-control. Well, okay, I'm going to stop meddling now. You deal with that with Jesus, okay? And you're like, I thought this was Christmas. What's going on here? This is rather heavy, okay? Well, let's go back to the Christmas story then, okay? So Joseph had two choices. He could either give uh, publicly divorce Mary, or he could quietly divorce Mary. And notice Joseph selects mercy. He said, Mary, I do not want Mary destroyed. I want, I will divorce her quietly. But then the message of God comes to Joseph. Let's see how this message uh, comes to Joseph. Matthew 1 verse 20 we're at now. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God's with us. You know, how did this message come to Joseph? It didn't come through a prophet of God coming through, you know, the prophet of the town coming to Joseph and saying, hey, I really want to tell you what's going on here. It didn't come from the priest of the tabernacle when they came in that, that day that, jo, that, that the priest said to Joseph, hey, I, I've got this message from God from you. It didn't come from this, these angels that came down in this glorious light. It didn't come from his friends. It came from a dream that God spoke to Joseph through a dream. You know, every night, Joseph would toss and turn and wonder what to do. You know, that train of scenarios going, I cannot believe I've been betrayed. Uh, going through his head and the heartbreak and the rejection and the cancer that was in his heart and every night until he was worn out and he falls asleep and then a dream. And it's not 
the crazy dream of, that I always get of, and I don't know why this is, of sitting in class and I have no clothes on. I don't know where that comes from. He didn't have that dream, right? He, I'm sorry for that image. Sorry, get that out of your brain right now, okay? Nothing more concrete than this whisper of a mind fog of a dream But this one was different because this dream had a faithful author. This dream was not only giving knowledge, but also giving a little spiritual faith that this is really what God is doing. To convince Joseph that the child in Mary was the Messiah, was God with us. You know, let me camp here. So we've been on a bunny trail. Now we're going to camp, okay? So let me camp here for a second. You know, there are over 20 dreams in the Bible where God speaks to people in dreams. These are dreams of the assurance that God's in control, the, the assurance that this is my person that I have anointed, or a guidepost for direction of what to do. These dreams have been used by God. And you know, when I was thinking of an example of this, I was thinking back to three years ago, a little over three years ago, when Jeff and Christine had been called out to Colorado uh, to teach there, and we were considering what to do in the church. And so um, I reluctantly (laughs) agreed to be the interim pastor for about nine to ten months uh, while we looked for a new pastor of the church. And whenever during this time we had gotten people together that were within this church and leading this church and we prayed, and I know of at least three direct dreams that happened during that time. There were three dreams that got us through situations that gave us guidance that God was working. And so I wanted to give you one example of that as far as, and I was thinking of which one to do. So I'm going to call Liz up. So um, Liz and Dan are our lead pastors of this church. Yeah, very good. And as the interim pastor, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you. So, but um, it was amazing how God was working. And I I think at times we just need to give an example of what God is doing, you know, because it's it's a little outside of my box, you know. And so um, I've asked Liz to come and uh, really tell where you were at 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 that time and then how this dream came about and describe how God used it too. Sure. Okay, you guys get to get kind of the, the other side that was happening. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, Not the, ah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, So I went back and looked at like my 2019-2020 journal last night to kind of see the timeline of things. And man, 2020 was rough. I never want to go back. <laughs> but at the same time, as I was looking through that, I'm like, wow, God answered all of these prayers. So it's a great testimony. Um, like... Starting in 2019 through 2020, when we came here, there was about a year period where Dan and I were, were seeing, like, okay, there's a shift going on. God is calling us to something next. We were associate pastors at a vineyard church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, but we didn't know. We were, we were wanting to go 
back home to the Midwest. That's where we're from, Illinois. Um, and we didn't know what that would look like, exactly what God was calling us to. So we put out a lot of feelers. We, you know, we didn't feel like church planters. And I thought, you know, my perfect scenario is maybe I'll take over from a retiring vineyard pastor. That seems easy, right? There's all the, you know, vineyards were planted in the 80s, so there's a lot of people retiring about now. They'll have a nice church, like they did all the work, they'll just hand it to me and it'll be an easy <laughs> life. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like negotiating that with God. And then October 2019, our church has uh, an extended worship and prayer night. You know, we sometimes call them Holy Spirit nights or something like that. And I had a very powerful experience with um, somebody I was praying for. And so I come home and I, you know, like at that point when I came home, I was just like tired. Like so much of the Holy Spirit had been flowing and moving and I was exhausted. And I go to sleep and I have this God dream, like I've never, ever, ever had before. And in this dream, I am, I was in my RAV4. I had a Toyota RAV4, and Chloe, my youngest daughter, was a baby at the time. Yeah, because she was born in 2019. She was in the back seat of this car, which is what my life was like. I felt like I always was just driving around my car around town with the baby in the back seat, shuffling kids everywhere, right? So I'm driving home in this dream, and home was not Baton Rouge at the time. It was, it was kind of home, like not specifically, but home. And I'm driving home, and I felt like God had something for me to do. And I was kind of nervous. I was like, okay, God, is anything bad going to happen? He's like, no, Liz, nothing's bad going to happen. But I want you to stay attentive. Look for what I'm going to show you to do. So I'm driving. I'm like, okay, I'm looking, I'm looking. And all of a sudden, God says, look over there, Liz. Do you see that building? And so I, I'm in the car, and I look over there. And sure enough, I see this building. It's tall. It's kind of dark. And um, it's, it's shaking, and it's crumbling. And the you know, it's all, it's like going to fall down, you know, like earthquake style, right? And and God says, I want you to go over there. And I said, okay. And he's like, I want you to put that building on your back. And I say, okay, Lord, I can do that. And so I, I go over to the building, and I get down on all fours, like, you know, hands and knees position. And I, and I put the building on my back. I'm shouldering it. And it brings the stability like it is no longer shaking or falling it's it's good like and i'm like okay but in the process of doing that i was like experiencing like labor pains right like i've had all my three babies natural i know what it feels like it wasn't like the end like in transition when you're like i'm going to die this is this is terrible <laughs> But it's like in the beginning when every contraction is like, it's hard work. You have to stay concentrated. You have to kind of write it out. It's, it's work. It's laborious. That was the experience that I was having of shouldering this building. 
And then um, different people were bringing me water and food and nutrition to keep me going, which was great. I welcomed that because it was hard. Um, and then out of the sky, there were people trapped in the top of this building. Kind of even I had this sense of like some orphan orphans at some point or just people that were, were stuck in darkness in the top of this building and could not escape. And this big hand, God's hand, came and just one by one just like took them out and set them free. And that was it. And then I woke up and I was like, <laughs> like that is not a dream you forget I mean that's like a dream that like shakes you you're just like okay God well now what like you've, you've, you've basically shown me like what's next and I don't know where that is and I don't, I don't know what to do with that but it like it's just like it's ingrained in my soul in my mind like it was I just can't describe it um and so then, you know, I'm sitting with that dream. I'm talking to different people, helping, like, okay, let me just tell you this crazy thing that just happened, right? To try to get some feedback. So, you know, I tell a, a few select people in church. And so I'm, we're just kind of sitting with that. And I just think, wow, maybe the next thing is not going to be that easy life handoff that I was expecting. You know, okay, Lord, like, you've prepared me for what it's going to be. And I'm okay with that because you are going to sustain me and you are going to set the captives free. And that's all that I want, right? So fast forward a little bit, like November then, I go to this Encouraging Words um, group that we had at church at the time. And, you know, they kind of speak prophetic things over you. And there were some good things that were spoken there that I kind of took as nuggets and some other things that I was like, hmm, I don't know what that means at all. Um, and so we record it and, you know, so you can listen to it later because not all things are that you get prophetically happen in that moment. Sometimes they're for later. And so it's good to record it and, and listen to it later on. But there was this one person that said, um, you know, like, I feel like there, I, he had this picture of, like, um, you know, Charlotte's Web. Well, actually, I had not watched Charlotte's Web, so I was like, no, I, I can't relate to what you're saying. <laughs> but he was like, at the very end of Charlotte's Web, there's um, the, the Charlotte has her babies, and they, they fly off into the wind, right? Have you, have you seen Charlotte's Web? Do you know the image that I'm talking about? Okay, so the, the little baby spiders, they just, like, phew, they are taken wherever God, well, that's what he was saying to me. They're taken wherever they are taken. And this guy was saying, I see that, that that's what's, um, like, God's inviting you to is, like, to jump into the wind of the Holy Spirit, to, like, jump into the risk and see, see where he takes you. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll just tuck that away for later, <laughs> you know. I, and, and I haven't seen Charlotte's Web, so that's fine. Um, and then, you know, we're still searching out, God, where are you, where are you uh, taking us to? It seems like kind of every interview we had or connection with the church, like it just wasn't right. So it's like this long year journey of confusion um, and asking God to, to bring it about. And, uh, and then I, you know, <laughs> I have a mentor um, who gets an email from somebody 
that she knows in her church that Anne emailed to that person that emailed it to me about this position. And um, anyways, and so Dan and I just can't quite shake uh, this place in Muhammad. And we're asking God, like, is this the thing? And this is like maybe May of that year. So right, COVID has happened. And I just think this COVID thing, man, I don't know. This has disrupted every plan and thought that we had about moving. Like every church is in crisis. We have no idea what we're doing now. Um, so it just got even crazier, right? So then in, in, you know, so then we get connected and now we're discerning like, is, is, this, is this the place? Like this dream that you've like cemented into my soul, um, is this the place? And I'm mowing lawns at the time in June, you know, and I decide, you know what, I'm going to go back to that prophetic thing in November and just re-listen to it and just think, like, is there anything from that? And I really felt like, okay, I need to go watch Charlotte's Web. And then <laughs> yeah. I decide to just get the audiobook version because I'm mowing lawns and I like to listen to the audiobook version. And this audiobook version was, like, the different characters, you know, so they all have different... Um, voices, right? It's very animated. It was great. But unfortunately, that scene isn't until the very end, right? So I have to listen to the entire book before I finally get to this scene about the spiders being released into the wind. And um, so anyways, I get to that part and I'm like, oh, okay, okay, okay. I'll just continue to mull that over and think about that. And then, you know, I hadn't told Dan anything of, of that. Um, Charlotte's Web bit, I did tell him about the dream. But then the very next morning, I was somewhere, and Dan calls me, and he was like, Liz, do you know what's all over our car right now? I was like, no. He's like, there's baby spiders all over our car. <laughs> I was like, what? How is there baby spiders over our car? He's like, I don't know. Like, they're just all over the, the wind, you know, like the, the windshield, and like maybe a, a, a baby, you know, a spider laid its nest. I don't know. They're just everywhere. Everywhere. You didn't see them? I was like, no, I didn't see them. And so I'm just like, okay, Laura, what's happening here? <laughs> and um, then I take my girls to a well child visit, like their last one in, you know, whatever, of, of thinking like, if we have to move, I better get them into the doctor one last time here. We go there and um, they always give us like a little book, you know, sometimes they're like board books, whatever. You're like, great job, like you had your checkup, right? And the lady comes back and she hands my daughter, Ellie, the oldest, a Charlotte's Web chapter book. And I was like, okay, <laughs> what is happening? And um, then, you know, we go, we preach our interview sermon, we go home, we're discerning about it for a week ish. I, I think we were just, you know, praying for a week. Anyways, I specifically remember exactly where I was in the building of our church, and I was talking on the phone with maybe Dan or Cindy. Maybe it was a, a multi-call. I don't even remember. Um, but they tell me that Anne had baby spiders coming out of her sink that day. And I was like, <laughs> oh, what in the world? You know, and I just remember just like kind of stopping in my tracks and just feeling like, I mean, there's, there's even more than just that, but just feeling like this, this God is just like in the most weird ways <laughs> speaking 
right? Speaking very clearly to me, like this is the time to step into the risk that I'm calling you to. And it's going to be okay. The wind of the Holy Spirit's going to take you there. It's going to be it's going to be hard work. It's going to be scary at times. But what is going to happen is the kingdom and captives will be set free. And that is the fruit of what we are living right now. So <laughs> just be encouraged that, I mean, that's like 2019 to we're almost at 2023. It's a long time sometimes to steward the things of God. It's not easy, but it's so worth it. And so I'm thankful for you guys that have been stewarding it with us and have been joining us um, on this journey. So that was a lot longer than you asked me to. But. <laughs> I planned. I planned. <laughs> no, that was fine. Thank you very much, Liz. What well, a great story. It's so neat that uh, once in a while we just, you know, need to give you a peek behind the scenes and what God's doing. You know, and, and we, uh, Jeanette was looking through her journal, and the day that she had that dream was the day that we found out that we were going to have to look for a new pastor. I mean, God just brings things together in a way that's totally out of our control sometimes. And isn't that a glorious thing? Isn't that the coolest thing to find that out? You know, it, it blasts past our understanding, it engages our emotions and our imagination whenever we have this dream that's really authored from God. And the thing that I've found too is, and, and Liz alluded to this too, is these dreams come with a gift of faith. You know, it, it goes beyond, I mean, for me, it, goes, it gives me an extra bit of faith to trust in God beyond my own ability. It's kind of that supernatural declaration that God is working here. And you know, it's part of our story and part of the story of the beginning of the church in Acts. Look at, look at Acts. Let's just go back to Acts chapter 2. So this is after the Gospels. The Holy Spirit came upon the apostles at that time. There's a crowd outside and they're wondering, what craziness is going on here? And Peter stands up and he goes to proclaim what's going on. And he quotes from the book of Joel a prophecy about the, this time that is initiated by the Holy Spirit coming and fulfilling and empowering the church. And look at what it says here in verse 17. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Isn't that neat? That there is a pro there, there, there's a promise not only to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, but there's an expectation that God's going to use dreams in our life. And, and let me tell you, I am a dream doubter, okay? So I remember talking to Arlene, okay? And Arlene, I don't know if you remember this. But our, our, I went to a dream class, and I did the, huh, I never dream. 
Don't ever say that in a dream class, okay? <laughs> and Arlene goes, well, we're going to pray right now for you to dream tonight. <laughs> and I remember I had the most vivid dream. I still even remember what that dream was about and how impactful that was into my life. There are times that God will use dreams. You know, we'll have our, our crazy dream that we had a burrito the night before and it's revisiting us, right? But there's a visitation by the Holy Spirit that has a dream that comes with that gift of faith. You know, so we go back to, and just to end the Christmas story here with Joseph, you know, so what does Joseph do? You know, it says this in verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. You know, we kind of started this out by saying that Joseph was the rule keeper but now there are all these rules and what he was supposed to do. And Joseph said, no, I'm, I'm going to do what God's telling me to do here. You know, and I'm not talking about rules to be, behave in a sinful way. I'm talking about rules that we have for ourselves sometimes or that society puts upon us. You know, sometimes those rules just need to be broken. And let me kind of end with this one. I love this quote, you know, whenever we were starting off the church, we were looking for mission statements and we were looking for vision statements for us to guide the church. And the, when we were doing that investigation, this is probably one of my favorite one. It's, it's by uh, Craig Rochelle. He's of, he ha, his church is actually called Life Church. It's in Oklahoma. It's a great organization. They provide a lot of online content for churches and they say, use it free, don't give us credit. But listen to a mission statement of his, of his church. This is one of their mission statements. We will do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. Isn't that a cool expectation? To reach people no one else is reaching, we'll have to do things no one else is doing. That is a fantastic mission statement. Sometimes those little rules that we put in our lives that we think put there to guide us, you know, sometimes we're going to have to go beyond that and God's going to ask us to do that. Let's pray. Father God, um, I just thank you so much. I mean, just, you know, it's neat to look back and to see the hand that you had on this church. How you called Dan and Liz to be our pastors how you've brought people together and filled them with gifts of hospitality, of evangelism, of healing, Lord, and of trusting in you. And you've given all of these gifts to us and to, to just see how you're going to work. And Lord, you give us dreams. Father God, I pray that you would use those things in our life and that you would continue to give us faith as you give us those things to do, those guideposts. And we give you this time of worship. And we're looking for a time of ministry afterwards. And we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. At Life Vineyard Church, we want you to experience the life-changing presence of God. We'd love to have you join our community. We meet every Sunday in Muhammad, Illinois. To find out more, go to lifevineyard.org lifevineyard.org